0: agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath.
1: Hello Las Vegas. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Happy Wednesday to those of you not in Las Vegas, tuned in online. We're streaming at kvxl101.com 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not me personally. I'm not streaming 24 hours a day because I would lose my voice. I mean, and probably get tired at some point. But we have all kinds of other programs that are fantastic that are streaming throughout the day. Me, I stream now at 7 a.m. and now at 6 p.m. So from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. and from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. If you live outside of Pacific Time, then you can make that calculation. Depending on where you're at. Two hours for Central, three hours for Eastern, one hour for Mountain Time. Add it up and you'll find me. It's, It's not hard, really. It can be confusing sometimes, especially when I explain it like that, backwards and forwards and all around mesh together. But it's not that hard. Common Core Math. Now that can be confusing, though. So if you're trying to figure out the time zones and when you can listen to me using Common Core, sorry, probably not going to work out so well for you. Anyhow, you're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas, coming to you live from Studio B at Liberty Baptist Church. If you'd like to be part of the show, if you have questions, suggestions, comments, story ideas, you can call us at 702 647 or email us at radio at com. If you'd like to tweet me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at The Frittle over there. I'm excited. We've got the Benham Brothers uh, on at the, the bottom of the hour. They're going to be here to talk about their new book, Living Among Lions. Excited about that. So David and Jason Benham, they're going to be here at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned for that. I want to remind you, our missions conference here at Liberty Baptist Church, if you are in Las Vegas, is coming up two weeks from today. So the 22nd through the 26th of this month is our missions conference. For those of you in Las Vegas, we'd love to have you join us on our campus at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Two weeks from today, we will kick that off. Fun fact, missions fact for you for today. In 2000, Brazil sent 3,700 missionaries. In 2010, they sent 34,819% increase. Brazil recently became the second greatest sending country in the world, trailing the U.S. by just 93,000 missionaries. The United States currently uh, remains the highest sending missionary country. Worldwide, in 2015, Christians from all traditions sent out approximately 400,000 missionaries. Missionaries. That doesn't include missionaries that uh, are doing work in their home countries. It's the ones that are sent out of their country. But two weeks from today, you can join us. We're going to have our missionaries here at Liberty. and You can find out about the awesome work that God is doing through their ministries around the world. And we're going to have Christmas in June. If you don't know what that is, then just come on the 22nd. You're going to love it. I promise you... It's one of my favorite days here at Liberty. And if you're not here in Vegas, you can watch Christmas in June, and you should. It's very exciting. On our stream, our live stream, just go to our church website, experienceliberty.com, and uh, click on the video stream, and you can watch that. Starts two weeks from today, June 22nd. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about some news. Get the show on the road, show on the road, show on the road here. Uh, Early voting is now open if you are in Las Vegas. You get out and make your voice heard for our state and local officials. We already did our presidential caucusing a while back, but now we're voting for state and local officials, and these races are just as and in some ways more important than the presidential races. So please get out, find out who uh, is running in your district, and uh, make your voice heard there we had five primaries yesterday on the presidential front. Hillary Clinton has official well is the presumptive Democratic nominee now. Uh she will be receiving the endorsement of President Barack Obama. Mr. Trump won the final five GOP primaries. He's now amassed over 1500 pledged delegates well on his way uh to the nomination. He's He's. I don't see any way that he doesn't secure that. In spite of, or some people would say due to, having 16 opponents, he has officially garnered more votes than any other candidate in history in a primary. And you say, well, what do you mean in, due to having 16 opponents? It's in spite of. That's an amazing feat. It is an amazing feat. And so people will say, well, he had 16 opponents, and it's incredible. More people want him than ever before. Yeah. You could say that. I think you could also argue that we've never seen a primary on the GOP side last this long or be this heated, which drove up turnout. And so because there were alternative options and people that were uh, so adamantly uh, either against him or for him and how heated that was, that that drove up turnout. And that is why uh, he garnered more votes than anyone else. But, you know, either way, it's it's an amazing feat. Uh, what we saw in yesterday's GOP results is that 20-30% to 30% of GOP voters that are voting in the primary are still voting for someone besides Donald Trump, which you know isn't completely abnormal. I'd say it's a little higher than usual, but my guess is that about half of those will end up going to Trump uh, in the general election. The other half uh, will not vote for him no matter what, and are probably um, individuals who have said that uh, since the get-go, the never-Trump crowd, if you will. What's interesting to me... Um, is that there's been a lot of talk continuing about a potential third party candidate. There was some banter about uh, potentially David French and again Ben Sass last week. Ben Sass continues to say that he is not running. David French has now said he's also not running. And a lot of individuals are saying that running anyone is not smart because it's going to take votes away from Trump. I don't think it would really, though. Here's why. So that there's a I would say there's about a ten to fifteen percent of the GOP primary voters that are still saying, "No way, no how, not now, not ever will I vote for Donald Trump? You already lost those votes. Trump wasn't ever and never will win those individuals, so a third party candidate that's going to get those individuals' votes doesn't hurt Trump because he never had them. Does that make sense? like it's not like that person's going to siphon those people away. They're already gone. You're not losing them. You don't have them to lose. So, I actually think that a third party would hurt Hillary more than it would hurt Trump, because there's going to be so many really upset Bernie Sanders supporters, and rightfully so. But the clock is ticking for a third-party candidate to to get on board and get on the ballots and different things. Anyway, there's a lot of logistics there, so who knows? Uh, Meanwhile, on the Democratic side, Bernie Sanders says he's not going anywhere, uh, as Hillary has presumptively clinched the nomination, is officially the first woman ever to receive the nod for president from a major political party in the United States. Also, you know, potentially the first felon. So she's got a lot of things going on for her there. Um, But on that side, it was much more interesting... Uh, Sanders won in North Dakota and Montana, and Hillary won in, uh, in California, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota yesterday. Um, but nowhere did she have a hugely decisive, hugely, that's not even a word, a major decisive win. I mean, she won... I think by 13% in California. I believe that was her biggest win yesterday. But neither one of them, they only have one more uh, election to go. That's next Tuesday, I believe, in Washington, D.C. will be voting on the Democratic primary. There's 20 delegates up for grabs there. But either way, even if someone, either Clinton or Sanders, swept the Washington, D.C. delegates, no one gets to the 2,383 delegates needed for the Democratic nomination on the Democratic side without superdelegates. So, pledge delegates, the best Hillary could do would be 2,204. I believe at this point, the best that Bernie Sanders could do would be 1,824. Now, but when it comes to superdelegates, Hillary has uh, superdelegates that say they are pledged to her 571, which puts her over the top. Sanders has only 48 superdelegates. Now, superdelegates are free to change their mind, and that's what Bernie Sanders is arguing. He's saying, hey, look, this isn't over until we get to the convention and the superdelegates decide. And that is literally who's going to decide on the Democratic side. It will be the superdelegates. Unless Bernie Sanders changes his mind after next week's primary and drops out and concedes the race uh, to Hillary, in which case I don't see that the superdelegates would move at all. I personally don't think that the superdelegates would move anyway, at least not as many as Bernie would need. I mean, she's got uh, basically 400 more than what she would need for the delegates. I don't see... 400 uh of her 571 superdelegates that are saying they're going to support her switching to Sanders. I could see, you know, 50, 100, maybe even 200 at the most, but even then it doesn't give Sanders enough to to catch up. So anyway, that's where things are at on the election side of things. Did you see the 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 um the protesting at the Trump rally in San Jose last week? I mean, people getting egged, people leaving, uh, bleeding and bloodied and wounded. Let me just tell you something about that, okay? Regardless of what you think about Mr. Trump, if you support his politics, if you don't like what he says, or if you do like what he says, these aren't even protests. What these are are riots, okay? Protesting is what Martin Luther King did. Protesting is what happens every year at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. It's peacefully expressing opposition. What's happening at Trump rallies, those aren't protests. And we're legitimizing these people's actions by calling them protesters. They're not protesters. They're rioters. When people are leaving bloodied and getting egged, and there's police making arrests, that's not protesting. That's rioting. People are rioting at Trump rallies, and it's indefensible, inexcusable, Un-American, and it needs to stop. Stop with the rioting. If you want to protest, go for it. Make your sign. Have a march. Do whatever. But rioting is not cool. No matter how much you don't like Mr. Trump or whomever else, it just it's not acceptable. And it's politics, okay? It's it's. No one should be walking away from an event that they went to, bleeding from their head because they happened to like this political candidate over another political candidate. That's just petty and unnecessary. And then you've got the Trump University lawsuit, which just keeps getting more and more ridiculous. I mean, I think that uh, Mr. Trump did not do himself any favors, obviously, when he uh, happened to mention that he wasn't thinking that the judge was being fair to him because the judge is of Mexican descent. Um, And then he proceeded to imply that any judge of Mexican uh, Mexican heritage or of the Muslim faith would be fair to him. Not any of them. He didn't flat out say it, but he implied it. And I don't think that helps his cause. But, you know... Who knows? He said all kinds of things and still garnered more votes in any primary than any other person in history. So maybe it just doesn't matter with him. Um, but I think that the ads that you're gonna see Democrats come out with, the more he says things like that, the more fodder he gives them and it it really is go it really is going to come down to who is the least popular candidate because the two most disliked people in politics are the two people that are running and presumptively as the n- nominees for their respective parties, <laughs> Hillary is the most disliked Trump is the second most disliked, so it just is matters who 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 claims the prize for second most disliked instead of first most disliked. It's really it oh I've never seen anything like this in my short lifetime i don't know and and honestly. With the Trump University thing, is the judge biased against Trump? Probably yes. I mean, there's a lot of evidence there that says, yeah, you know, he's probably not the best person to be deciding this, and he should have recused himself. Alright? But then, you look at the case and you say, was Trump University scamming people? Again, I would say, probably yes. If you look at the evidence and most of the testimony it's hard not to say that there was some stuff going on there that maybe was not the best by way of, you know, real educational business. Uh, um, I don't even know how to phrase it. So, I, on both sides of it, it's just, it's ridiculous, and I think that Mr. Trump, in, in pointing that out, is is doing two things. One, he's not People are no longer talking about if Trump University is actually a scam, which is what the case is actually about. So he's diverted the attention from that to, is this judge biased against me? Which in a way is really kind of smart. But now he's also positioning himself as potentially being racist again. So maybe it's just a wash. I don't know. With Trump, I really just don't know. So let's go to our, hello, why didn't I see this on the news segment? Ready for this? From the Washington Times, ISIS seeks to destroy Israel and liberate Jerusalem. Destroy Israel and liberate Jerusalem. Because, you know, they're the only freedom-loving, freedom-allowing country in the Middle East. So let's uh, liberate them from their freedom. With a media blitz, the Islamic State has set its sights on Egypt's Sinai Peninsula as the next shot at expanding its empire and establishing a base from which to attack neighboring Israel. The terrorist group's propaganda units have gone into high gear for recruitment this month to build a force in Sinai large enough to one day conquer Jerusalem, the same way its fighters overtook large parts of Syria and Iraq. Last week, Marine General Joseph Dunford, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, warned of the Islamic State's presence in Sinai, where the group may have placed as many as 1,000 terrorists. The General's concern is a signal that the U.S. faces another war front against the Islamic State, in addition to Iraq, Syria, and Libya. And I think we could argue that if ISIS is officially, and that's what it appears to be, setting its sight on Israel, and saying, hey, we're going to build up into Sinai so that we can attack Israel, they're probably serious about that. I mean, they they don't seem to just make threats and then go away. They say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then they're like, oh, look, we did it. You didn't think we would? We just did. Boom. So it's important that we take this seriously. And this is why the United States needs to stand with and support Israel. Because no one else will. I mean, think about it. If we don't support Israel, who's going to help them? Who? If if we back off, who else is going to stand up and, and stand by them? And I'd venture so far as to say that if, and sadly I believe we're reaching the point of when, the U.S. no longer is willing to stand up and take a firm uh, stance with Israel, then we're going to see real end times type catastrophes in the world. That's when things go downhill really, really fast. Because, you know, Israel, their military power is incredible, especially for such a small nation. And, historically, we have seen over and over and over again that God is on their side. I mean, you don't mess with Israel. But I also believe that God has used the United States to support and protect His chosen people, especially in since uh, since the nation's founding. But if the United States takes a step back, remember that every single nation around Israel wants them gone, wiped off the map completely. They don't want more of the Gaza Strip. They don't just want the Golan Heights. They want them gone forever. And radical Islam surrounds this tiny country, which again is the only beacon of freedom and liberty in the Middle East. And what do you think is it that keeps these nations in check at all right now? I mean, Israel's under constant threat as it is. But what do you think holds any of it back? Is it Israel's missile defense system? I mean, why do you think that these countries refer to the United States as the great Satan? and not the country? I mean, obviously that's not like official policy for any country in the Middle East necessarily. But if you listen to what their leaders say and what their people believe and what they teach their children, we're the great Satan, okay? I mean, and sure, it's because our women can drive and wear pants, but it's also because we are on Israel's side. And if we take a step back, where then are the consequences to these terrorist states that will go after Israel with a vengeance as soon as we are no longer 100% ready to assist them? It's going to happen. That's why we have to stand with Israel, because if we don't, no one else will, and when we go away, Israel is left alone to fend for themselves. That's why I stand with and support Israel. And I hope you do too. God loves the nation of Israel. We're commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and I hope you do that every single day. Because I'm, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing if your neighborhood was under constant terror threat, If you never knew if you go to the market and get blown up or if your kids were going to have to run to the bomb shelter three or four or five times today during school, you probably want someone praying for you too. So don't forget to pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious, community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use. You can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KBXL programming. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to have David and Jason Benham here. The twin brothers that were former professional baseball players Best-selling authors, speakers, nationally acclaimed entrepreneurs Those guys, they're going to be here But first, here's Phillips, Craig, and Dean With your grace, still amazes me Don't go away, we'll be back in just a minute And welcome back, you're listening to The Frittle Show On KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio Here in Las Vegas We're very blessed today to have David Benham Is on the line with us David, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, Crystal, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. So uh, Jason apparently is, is just not, you know, not feeling it today, huh?
0: Yeah. I couldn't muster <laughs> a hold of that guy. You know, he's my twin brother. We've been together for 40 years, and mm. it's not like him to to miss an appointment. But you know what? You got the better twin of the two, so everything's
1: okay. <laughs> no, it totally is. So, you guys are uh, your former professional baseball players, best selling authors, speakers, nationally acclaimed entrepreneurs. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of individuals know you from the little incident with HDTV a few years back that canceled uh, your show because of your commitment to biblical values. And you've been on CNN, Fox News, Good Morning America, all, all over the place. So, you know, it's really cool when I'm like, oh. If I get somebody that's been on CNN, Fox News, it's a good day, you know? I, so it doesn't matter if Jason doesn't show up just having one of you guys. I'm like, score.
0: <laughs> no, it's great. my fact, we were on ESPN outside the lines a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. And they had asked us. They said, hey, listen, we want you guys to Skype in for an interview, having no clue that there was a senator from North Carolina that was live-shotted in. So when I looked back at the interview, I was like, man, we look like idiots. We're on <laughs> Skype, and he's in a live shot.
1: Yeah, you got to love media, right? Got to love media. Yeah,
0: that's right. So you right. got
1: uh, you got this new book coming out at the end of the month, June twenty eighth. Living among lions: How to thrive like Daniel in today's Babylon. And we're actually going to be giving away a copy of it later this month, so everyone be sure to tune in for that. Uh, but so, okay, thriving like Daniel in today's Babylon. Let's start there. Let's start with Daniel in Babylon. For those that may yeah. not be familiar with the history there. Tell us a little bit about yeah. who was Daniel, why is he in Babylon, and what was Babylon like when he showed up on the scene there?
0: Okay, in a nutshell, an elevator on Daniel was he was a Jewish exile. He was a young man, more than likely a teenage boy, who was very committed to the God of Israel. And, uh, and because his nation had sinned, his nation had turned their backs on God, they had chosen rampant idolatry with Asherah, which was sexual perversion, with Molech, which was child sacrifice, God said, okay, that's it, you're going into captivity. And so the Israelites were taken into Babylonian captivity in three ways. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were in that third wave. They went into Babylon. And when they were in Babylon, that was a very pagan environment. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, over 300 times, any time that there's a reference to Babylon, it's talking about great evil Mm -hmm. and idolatry and perversion. So Jason and I, as we've been traveling around the country and, and uh, been, been uh, just praying and, and talking with other Christians, we find that the problem today in America is not the presence of darkness, it's the absence of light. Mm. You see, Daniel was light in the midst of a very dark culture, and I don't think we have to talk too much about the fact that our culture morally and spiritually is definitely darkening at a much quicker pace than we ever imagined here in America.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And one of your taglines, I saw you posted on Facebook the other day, is that no matter how dark it gets, we can still shine a light by being God's voice. But I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, speaking up is scary, though. What if they throw me in the lion's den?
0: What then? That's right. And that's exactly why we wrote this book on Daniel, because here was a young man who, like many, maybe millennials today, and even any person that would call themselves a believer in Jesus, has that feeling of, if I actually stand with courage, I could face lions, or as his three friends, I could face the fiery furnace, mm-hmm. and, and yet they chose to stand. And, and in the book, we go through three phases of their four lives, in particular with the life of Daniel, and it started with conviction, and it went from there to commitment, and lastly, it ended with courage. So when you have commit, or conviction that transforms your heart and commitment that transforms your lifestyle, you will have courage that transforms the nation.
1: That's that's awesome. That's so well said. And I think, you know, is that where the difference is? Is it that a lot of Christians today, a lot of millennials, as you mentioned, this is something that we're seeing more and more of where it seems like Christianity is sort of in survival mode in the United States right now. Like everyone's so focused on surviving that we're missing out on the thriving. We've taken a step back into, I don't want to risk the lions, so I'm just going to survive. I'm going to hunker down with my family here. We're just going to pretend all this stuff isn't happening outside But is it that we're not thriving because we're not making that difference because we're not taking that stand?
0: Well, it it starts even before taking the stand. One of the ways to thrive, first and foremost, as you see in the life of Daniel, was in Daniel chapter 1 when Nebuchadnezzar the king, he's the most powerful king in the world at the time. Brought him into his court. Basically, I mean, he took him into the White House and said, "I'm giving you three years of a buffet of delicacies. You're going to learn the language of this nation. You're going, or this empire. You're going to establish and understand its customs." And yet, the Bible says in Daniel one, "But Daniel chose not to defile himself mm-hmm. with the king's meat." Now, scholars, as they've studied this, and as Jason and I have studied this extensively, it wasn't just that he was refraining from a certain particular diet and having his own set of dietary laws. It was that he was refusing Babylonian assimilation in his heart on mm-hmm. the inside of him. Mm-hmm. Here in America, we, we are to be in the world, but not of it. And if we're going to take a stand in the world, we have to have convictions deep inside of our heart. We understand, I am born again. I was born by Jesus Christ in my spirit. God is the ruler of, over the realm of mankind. I will choose to serve him whatever the cost. Now, standing on that conviction, when the winds of culture shift and no longer favor those convictions, you will stand with courage, which is why we wrote our first book, Whatever the Cost, and that was our story. Mm. But now this book, Living Among Lions, is how how to help you build your story, not just to survive, but to stand with conviction, commitment, and courage in today's darkening battle.
1: I think that's so good, because we're living in a culture where standing by one's convictions now is considered not only just weird but judgmental and condescending i mean we've reached a point where we're not only supposed to accept everything and everyone but we're supposed to embrace it we're supposed to embrace the lifestyles and choices and decisions that we don't agree with acceptance is no longer enough now we're supposed to embrace it but daniel i think that's a great point you know he was like it's not just about the food it's about the culture everything
0: that's right he said, I will not embrace. I will not embrace it in my heart first. And that's where, really, Satan steps in. And we talk about this in the life of Daniel. We have several chapters. Satan steps in through subtle compromises personally here and there. Mm-hmm. When you begin to embrace, embrace idols in your life, and it could be anything. An iPhone could be an idol. Sure. I've told many times in my life I've had to repent, but... But anyway, when we begin to embrace these things, we mm-hmm. miss out on God's best for our lives. And so one of the things that's important for us to understand, and we write about this in the book as well, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus, in his own words, said, Blessed are you when men persecute you and falsely accuse you. Now, mm-hmm. that's very interesting, because false accusations, out of even Jesus' mouth, he said those would come. And then you cross-reference that back to what David said, King David, in Psalm 56, where he said, all day long they twist my words. You see, today's narrative and today's agenda will twist the words of Christians. If you take a strong stand, if you say marriage is between a man and a woman, or life begins at conception, you're now like, you hate gays and you hate women. Well, Mm -hmm. nothing could be further from the truth. And if you're a Christian, speaking the truth and speaking it in love is, is a command of the Lord. That's not just an option, that's a command. So when you speak it in love, and yet they twist your words, then what many people do as Christians is we say, oh, well, I just don't want to say anything now because I don't want them to twist my words. Well, Jesus finishes Matthew 5.11 by saying, rejoice and be glad. Hmm. You see, when they twist our words, we should actually take it as a badge of honor that we're hovering over the target and we're speaking the truth, the only truth that will set people free.
1: That's so, so well said. And, And, you know, we've got, I think what most people remember... About Daniel's life is that he was thrown in the Daniel's in, in the Daniel's den, in the lion's den, and survived. And that, you know that's it's a great story, and it's what we hear in Sunday school. But Daniel's life was so much more than that. I mean, he made an impact in his culture because he chose to make and take that stand. So, what that's talk right. a little bit about what were the results of Daniel not
0: compromising? You see, Daniel refused to compromise, and and to compromise the. The compromise was was tried to be forced by some of the leaders in Babylon. The political leaders of the day created an ordinance that targeted his faith. Now, that's exactly what we're watching here in mm. America, and those are going to be coming down the pipe. I mean, we talk about this clearly in the book, yet Daniel stood, and as a result of Daniel's stand a stake of testimony to the one true God was driven deep into the heart of Babylon, and not even Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. In both situations, Nebuchadnezzar with his three buddies, and King Darius of the Persian Empire that had taken over Babylon with Daniel, the true him into the last. In both circumstances, in both cases, both kings, after after these men took a stand and they saw the result of their stand, They said, your God is the one true God. And this is why it's so vital that we understand that courage precedes the miraculous. We have to be courageous and stand with courage. And when we do, we can watch miraculous things happen in our nation.
1: Exactly. So I have a a semi-unrelated but mostly related question, not necessarily about your book, but can I ask you a question about your dad, Flip?
0: Of course.
1: All right. So I and I and I want to ask this question because he's an, just an incredible man with a great testimony, and I think that we could say that this is what he has done in our culture. That he has been a Daniel. You know, he began Operation Rescue, and he had this is something I'm not sure that a lot of people know about, but he had a fairly significant interaction with a woman that we know today as Jane Rowe. Do you talk about that yeah. at all? Is that something I can ask? Of course. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So tell we write us, about it. Tell us that story. We write about. Yeah, we write about it
0: extensively in our first book, Whatever the Cost. And we also read references here, Living Among Lions, because we're not issues fighters. We're kingdom advancers. Mm. In other words, it's not we just want to see everything made right here on the earth. We want to see people come to know Jesus. So, my dad, as a pastor in Dallas, Texas, when we were kids, he said, "My, My office next to the busiest abortion clinic in Dallas. And, and I love that because so often we can, we're pastors especially, can retreat into the comfort of their own office. And really, you know, you know there's so many people out there that you can interact with and our dad. Sure. Uh, over a two-year period of time, uh, he began a relationship with the owner of that clinic, who happened to be Norma McCory, who was the Jane Rowe of Roe vs. Wade. Within two years, she gave her heart to Jesus. Her and her lesbian I'm partner were to... sitting at our dinner table. Her uh, partner was named Connie. Connie gave her heart to the Lord. As a matter of fact, my dad had my brother and I drive to Walmart to buy a blow up swimming pool so we could baptize her in a blow up swimming pool. But dad baptized Miss Norma, who was Jane Roe, and, uh, and she's still following the Lord today. And it's amazing how we watched one of the most pivotal women in bringing abortion to America come to know Jesus. He stood before congress a few years later and said look this was all a lie i didn't even get an abortion let's let's overturn this thing now they haven't but what has happened is because of that stake of testimony many others in the abortion industry have come to know jesus and it's been amazing to watch
1: it really has i just that to me is a phenomenal story and i think it's a perfect picture of exactly what you guys are, are going for with uh with whatever the cost and now with living among lions. Just taking that stand and actually and making a difference because you're not willing to compromise those convictions.
0: Amen. Well I'll tell you what, now is the time for us to not be lightning bolts, flicking our light off and on <laughs> whenever it's convenient. But to be lightning bolts. And, and we can strike with precision in a God-honoring way. We can yeah. speak the truth in love, and we can watch the truth set people free.
1: Amen. That's exactly right. So uh, before I before I let you sign off here, I'm supposed to let you know that Stretch from GCA says hello. He said you might not remember him, <laughs> but I was supposed to s- throw it in there. So.
0: I love it. I remember Stretch. Please give him our regard. That's great. I,
1: I will. So when and where, uh, it's June 28th, uh, Living Among Lions comes out. Where can people pick up yep. a copy of your book?
0: They can go anywhere where books are sold, and you can actually pre-order on any of the book websites, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Christian Book Distributor, wherever, LifeWay, you can go to any of those and pre-order the book or go into any bookstore when it releases on the 20th.
1: Fantastic. And you guys are on Facebook and Twitter? What's your website?
0: We are Venom Brothers on Facebook, Venom Brothers on the website, and Twitter, Venom Brothers. Very just, just wow, that simple. Wow, so
1: simple. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, David, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. We appreciate your ministry and what your family is doing, uh, you know, not just for our country and our culture, but for, for the church as a whole. Um, I think it's a fantastic message that you guys are delivering in a very timely manner. So,
0: Well, it's an honor, and thank you for having us on. Really appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm. sure thing everyone you can pick up living among lions how to thrive like daniel in today's babylon on june 28th at your favorite bookstore wherever that may happen to be or online and it's probably on kindle too maybe not i don't know you should go check on amazon right now stay with us we'll be back in just a minute this is jesus saves from travis Cottrell. you're listening to kvxl 101.1 fm And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL LP 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. Experience Liberty Radio. We're streaming online at kvxl101.com. You can tune in over there. Thanks to those of you listening on the 405media.com as well. You can find podcasts of our show on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Show. So if you'd like to hear more episodes or if you're just tuning in now and you're like, what? I just missed David Benham that SoundCloud podcast will be up uh, hopefully by the end of the day today so you can go and find that there hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did the Benham brothers are awesome I encourage you to check them out on Facebook and Twitter Uh, they have just an incredible um, ministry and I met them a couple years ago at a conference in Washington D.C. and I've just been very impressed uh, with what they have done and what they are doing and their family as a whole I mean their dad led Jane Roe to the Lord, and then baptized her in his backyard. And it's, it's a fantastic story. And if you're just tuning in and you missed all that, well, again, podcast available soon on SoundCloud. And I'll post it on Facebook and Twitter as well, so you can follow me there at The Frittle if you would like to see those. Alright, so uh, this will be our last story for the day. Are you ready? This one's kind of fun, since it's our last story. We try to go for something more lighthearted. Female, this is from the Washington Post, female named hurricanes kill more than male hurricanes because people don't respect them, study finds. <laughs> People don't take hurricanes as seriously if they have a feminine name and the consequences are deadly, finds a new groundbreaking study. Female named storms have historically killed more because people neither consider them as risky nor take the same precautions, the study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences concludes. Researchers at the University of Illinois and Arizona State University examined six decades of hurricane death rates according to gender, spanning 1950 to 2012. Of the 47 most damaging hurricanes, the female-named hurricanes produced an average of 45 deaths compared to 23 deaths in male-named storms, or almost double the number of fatalities. The study excluded Katrina and Audrey, outlier storms that would skew the model. The difference in death rates between genders was even more pronounced when comparing strongly masculine names versus strongly feminine ones. Our model suggests that changing a severe hurricane's name from Charlie to Eloise could nearly triple its death toll, the study says. Wow. Sharon Shavit, study co-author and professor of marketing at the University of Illinois, says the results imply an implicit sexism. That is, we make decisions about storms based on the gender of their name without even knowing it. To test the hypothesis, the gender of the storm name impacts people's judgments about a storm. The researchers set up six experiments presenting a series of questions between 100 to uh, to 346 people. Respondents predicted male hurricanes to be more intense than female hurricanes in one exercise. In another exercise, uh, they were asked how they would prepare for a hurricane. People imagining a female hurricane were not as willing to seek shelter. This is so funny. And then, of course, it goes on about how, obviously, then our whole entire country and everyone living in it is sexist and biased and needs an attitude adjustment. Um, While I disagree on that latter part, I actually, when I started to think about it, it was like, you know, I, I can't deny it. If there's a storm coming at me and it's named Hercules... I'm probably going to be more inclined to take it seriously than if it's coming at me and it's named um, Isabella. And I don't know if that makes me sexist. I just know that Hercules sounds really scary, and Isabella doesn't really. Even Katrina, Katrina doesn't sound scary. I mean, Hurricane Katrina was a terrible, terrible event that killed almost two thousand people. But if you just take the name itself, name itself and go with their hypothesis here that it kind of makes sense. Katrina doesn't sound scary. Not that men are scary. I'm not saying men are scary. But just the image of of the 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 if we're are we allowed to stereotype? Can I stereotype for 1 second? If we go with a manly man, you know, and then and then a womanly woman? Let me put it this way. When you were growing up, if your parents spanked you, I'm guessing that you were hoping that mom would just spank you and get it out of the way because you really didn't want to have to wait till dad got home because then it was going to be worse. There's a reason why children and dogs and animals respond differently to male leadership than female leadership. I mean, have you, if you've ever watched little kids or interacted with little kids, if a guy comes into a room and says something, or even babies, it's amazing. Just even the deep voice... It garners a different response than the female. Because God made us differently, and that's okay. But I think it's... I I mean, it's not funny, but I have a hard time not laughing at this article because if, if this is what is being determined by science, that we take storms more seriously if we give them a masculine name, then what science and culture says is our culture needs to embrace everyone and treat everyone equally. When in reality, what we should do is just name all the storms with scary names. Then everyone will know to take them seriously. I mean, you know, maybe we don't name the storm Lucy or Jessica or or whatever girl name you can happen to think of. Which, of course, I can't think of any girl names. Right or Rose or Sharon. They, they just don't sound like something that I need to run away from and be scared of. Sorry if your name is Rose or Sharon and you consider yourself scary. I, I, I don't find your name scary. But if you name it like Hercules, Brutus, Maximus... I Give the storm scary names. Then people will know. Don't say... We need to be more embracive and inclusive and treat everyone equally and that everyone will understand that you need to run away from the storm even if it doesn't sound like a scary name. Stop being so sexist to the storms. No. Okay, get over it. Just give the storms scary names. Then everyone knows. See, this is why... Who who does this study? The National Academy of Sciences? They should hire me or just pay me money and I will give them the information they need. Give the storm scary names. All of them. Problem solved. See? You didn't even have to give me a million dollar contract. I didn't have to build a website. didn't have to become a government employee or get on Obamacare to solve this problem. Give all the storm scary names. You can just, you know, send me a Taco Bell gift card. National Academy of Sciences. That will be payment enough. Boom. Done. Pro tip of the day. Give the storm a scary name. If a storm is ever coming at you and it doesn't have a scary name, give it one in your head and then you'll know. Oh, I should be worried about this storm. If they say it's a Category 4 hurricane, oh, maybe it is something I should prepare for. Not rocket science. It's storm science. storm science of the day says, give it a scary name. That's all the time we have left. Thank you for being here. This is KVXL LP one oh one point one FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Thanks to those of you listening online at KVXL101.com and the four oh five media dot com. You can catch our podcast on SoundCloud. Somebody just said Hurricane Carilla Deville. That that would be a good name. If we need a good uh female name, that that would be a scary hurricane name. Good good call there. Good call there, contributor to the show. I like it. I like it. We'll be back again tomorrow at 7 a.m. Eric Metaxas. He is called the next Chuck Colson. will be joining us. Really funny guy. Cannot wait to have him here. You do not want to miss that. He'll be here tomorrow at uh, 7.30 a.m. Pacific Time. Will be his first running of his interview. So you can join us then for that. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. This is Lead Me to Rest from Acapella.